Senator, I am so excited to have you here today. I'm Alexandra Eidenberg, and this is The People with me, Alexandra Eidenberg. And I'm thrilled to be here today with one of my favorite senators, Senator Sarah Feigenholtz, who is the senator in the community that I actually grew up in. So, Senator, thank you for being here with us today. Give us your 30-second lowdown. Who are you, what do you do, and what do you have going on? Well, well I'm a state senator, uh, and I represent uh, the 6th District, which translates into Chicago's lakefront from Montrose to Division, uh, going west to the Chicago River into North Center, Roscoe Village, West Lakeview, Bricktown, um, all the way up the northwest uh, corner of this district is Lawrence and like around California. It's it's a, a very diverse district, a lot of high rises, a lot of doors, a lot of some of the greatest schools in the city of Chicago. Um, I was in the Illinois House for a, a very long time and I have been working for this community. I represent uh, um, the voiceless, people who need health care. As you well know, Al, I've been working on women's access to health care, chipping away at barriers for people with disabilities, focusing on mental health parity, um, and also um, sort of, you know, bread and butter table issues, making sure our schools are good, our streets are safe, which of course is at the top of my list right now. I have grave concerns. And um, that the businesses in my district, which are robust, um, and, and a tourist attraction, you know, little places like Lincoln Park Zoo and Wrigley Field, um, where lots of tourists come, um, are surviving the pandemic and that they will, their doors will be open when this is all over. So I do, I'm, I'm chair the tourism committee now in the Senate, tourism and hospitality, still doing a lot of work in that space. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm really honored to serve the people of the 6th District and really wake up every day loving helping people. And that you are, Senator. You are a major helper in the things that you've done for people with disabilities, for mental health, for women. There's just been so much that you've done over the course of your career. Right now, as you're chairing hospitality and really focusing on where is small business going, it has been such a challenging time uh, for business. And as a small business owner, friends of lots of small business owners, we know how hard restaurants, hotels, how hard the industry has been hit. Where do you see things going here in Illinois and in our community? And what is the word on the ground? How is business getting supported? And what's happening right now? You know, I think that, um, I think that there is a, um, you know, I, I, you know, I think in the beginning of this pandemic, one of the, one of the words, one of the phrases that I sort of, you know, wrote down in, with my Sharpie and put on the refrigerator. Um, every time I couldn't believe the experience we were having was, um, you know, that we're, we're sort of in this radical departure or radical acceptance where we find ourselves doing things um, that we never thought we would do and accepting things that we never thought we would ex accept. And when you're in a leadership role trying to help people survive, um, that's very, it's amplified because you have to do things and write laws that 
you know, two years ago, you may have said, nah, we're not going to do that. But, you know, this has been an extraordinary year and there are, and radical acceptance is <laughs> what we're doing. So I, I think that, um, you know, trying to navigate what the federal government was providing for bars and restaurants um, since they closed immediately, um, trying to work through um, the Liquor Control Act and safety ordinances to try and do outdoor dining and reinvent yourself in the middle of a pandemic, whether it be through government or just innovation, um, uh, and, tr and try and get assistance has been um, what we've been working on for this industry. And also sort of transmitting the message to people who typically come to Illinois that, you know, the sort of the first train on the track um, for hospitality are the conventions that come to Chicago, as you well know. They are the catalyst for filling hotels, beds, which are the catalyst for restaurant reservations and um, theater reservations, et cetera. I mean, Chicago is a, is a destination, sort of invented conventions, if you will, if you take a look at the history. Um, so um, we, we've been working on day-to-day -day problems, getting to see, you know, people to apply for these big grants and back-to-business grants and, and helping their employees get PUA or unemployment with has clearly been the biggest challenge and in making sure that they stay safe. You know, I mean, it's, you know, this, a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs and, and, you know, very, and creatives live in this district, Alexander, you know that, right? You lived here once too, you're creative. And, um, you know, so, so we, it hit, I think it impacted this district um, tenfold because we don't have your nine to five working, you know, uh, working class. You have a lot of the work that you did for small business has been huge. And I just want to personally thank you. We see everything that you've done and how hard you've been fighting to make sure that we can keep our heads above water during this crazy time. You use this term radical acceptance, and that really resonated with me. And I think that our listeners really, really will resonate with that. And this pandemic, who could in a million years plan this, thought of this, uh, had a game plan for it? And so it really has been radical acceptance and getting recalibrated to this new world we're living in, all while making sure that families and businesses are thriving. Um, the, you know, here in Illinois, we have veto session. I want to hear a little bit more about veto session. I think many of our listeners know what veto session is, but can you tell us what veto session is and when it is this year for 2021? Sure. Veto session um, is is a fall, typically in the fall in Illinois, for the Illinois legislature. When we come back and we deal with um, a mandatory vetoes and veto overrides, bills that the governor has sent back to uh, one or other, one or the other chamber, and uh, of course. Um, we don't have a, a, a great deal of them right now, and many of them are, if they, it, if they are coming back, it's because they needed some correction and there was collaboration and coming up with a solution, so it shouldn't be too difficult. But we also have to take on um, sort of things that have emerged since we adjourned on June 1st. 
uh, things like uh, maybe we're going to be dealing with a gaming bill. We might be dealing because that's revenue and there's always corrections that need to be made with gaming. Um, we may have to, um, you know, do a supplemental budget. We've got a lot of ARPA money uh, that we got. We've got $8 billion um, that we have to get out the door uh, to for people who are lose who need to get to maintain their housing, just a just a bevy of things. Um, and I also think that um, after Texas did what it did, um, and we are starting to see a pattern of states wanting to do to mimic what they've done and copycat laws, especially states like um, Missouri and Kentucky that surround our southern border. Um, I think that we're going we are looking very carefully at the danger that um, a few laws that remain on the books in Illinois um, have posed to young women and endangered their health. And we we are going to be um, dealing with a, a healthcare endangerment bill repeal for young women who are coming here from Texas looking for refuge, who don't know that we have a parental. Uh, a, a notice law, a mandatory notice law on the books. So talking about this mandatory notice law, this is very important to a lot of our listeners and a lot of amazing organizations have been coming together to work with legislators here in Illinois to look at protecting women and, you know, protecting folks and their right to choose and making sure that there's access to safe health care for women. Something that you've championed throughout your career is that safe access for women, making sure that there is that safety. But now it's not only about Illinois, it's really about Illinois being a safe haven for more folks than just the residents here. We're going to become a beacon for many states to be coming here. Tell us a little bit more about if this legislation is going to be brought up during veto and what that looks like and how our listeners can help support safe access for women's health care and making sure that women's rights are heard and seen in this new era. You know, I think that, you know, people get caught up in the rhetoric, Alexandra, you know it, I know it. And I think one of the fundamental things that people need to know about me and probably you, although I don't want to speak for you, is that having the right to family build in a, in a time that you're ready for it. Um, and if you want to go to school, um, if you, you know, if you want to be, if you want to achieve economic independence, part of what is a brick on the path to that is is having autonomy over when you family build and for me that path to economic independence for women is is paramount so and and i say that having been in a position as a woman where i've had to make some pretty difficult decisions and to this day, I believe they were the right ones. And I can't imagine living in a world where that choice is no longer mine or any other woman in this country. You know, Roe v. Wade is the law of the land. You've seen the right throw brushback pitches. Our whole, I, I, your, the, your listeners should know, Alexandra, that the, the Abortion Act in Illinois was a response to Roe v. Wade as a brushback pitch. It was egregious, and most of it after Roe 
was enjoined in the courts. That means that it was never, it was in the books, but not enacted. But we are in the most perilous situation I have ever seen when it comes to Roe. I believe that Planned Parenthood uh, says it's a matter of when, not a matter of if, and that remains these decisions back to our state. That means we have to make decisions about abortion access. Fortunately, we read the tea leaves long ago and started to peel away at a heinous law that was embedded, by the way, in the criminal code. I don't know if people understand. You know, maybe they think, oh, an abortion act, that's a good thing. I'm pro-choice. That's a good thing. This particular statute was not a good thing. And so we have thankfully passed the you know, Reproductive Health Act that enshrines the right to abortion in statute and repeals any negative impact. We have removed what many people would refer to as the Hyde Amendment, which discriminated against women who ha- who, whose insurance was Medicaid so that they have access to a full palette of health care along with abortion care like any other person with insurance. And the third thing that we now have to do is continue to remove a very cruel, meaningless a limitation on young women who have to go get a, um, who have to notify, not even get permission, because, uh, you know, not even get permission. They have to notify their parents or go to court to get a bypass if they're under the age of 18. So, um, you know, this is, you know, one of the things that that listeners should also know is that a, a pregnant minor, one of these women who are, you know, pregnant before 18, they're able to sign away the, their rights as a mother and give their child up for adoption without parental notice. They can get a hysterectomy. They can, you know, they have complete autonomy over their healthcare for everything. But someone thought it would be a good idea to frighten them and make them go to court, even if the judge is their father's best friend and their father was their rapist. So, I mean, I think that, you know, we have we have one more thing to do here. And I think Texas has frightened all of us and that we are beginning to see courts completely reject um, the, the, the fundamentals and underpinnings of Roe. And so it is my belief that there is a very big, there's a huge effort to do this and to do it during veto session. We're really hopeful it's going to get done during veto session. It's been terrifying seeing the things that Texas has done, knowing that it's going to happen in other states and especially states near us where we're going to likely become that beacon where people can come here and safely have access to abortion. Right now, with the need to give notification, 
you know, it's, I appreciate that folks often, you know, they picture their own kids. They don't picture the different situations that can be happening in other communities, other households and other people's lives. And so particularly as we do become that beacon for young folks to come here that are not from Illinois, it's just so critical that we have the opportunity to repeal this last component. And so is there anything that we can do to help this happen, Senator? What are some ways that our listeners can engage and help this over? the finish line? Well, I, I think that it's important for your listeners for every issue that is, you know, uh, important, um, get to know the, who their state rep and state senators are. Um, and you can provide a link to, I'm sure you can provide a link to an easy way for everyone to find that out and to make sure they email them or call their office and say, you know, and and they can also do it through many pro-choice websites like Personal Pack or Planned Parenthood's website, um, just to name a couple. I'm sure the and the ACLU also, um, you know. But they should stay engaged and know how to pull the trigger on issues, you know, and have it in their their little Google bar. <laughs> I love that. And Senator, one thing that I've noticed, no matter how engaged you are, you consider yourself an activist, you're wherever you're at on that activism bar, a lot of people just don't know who their state rep or their state senator is. And so friends listening, folks listening, um, all of our podcasters out here, don't feel bad if you don't know. Check out the link. We're going to drop it here and you guys can look up your state senator and your state rep and call them about this particular piece of legislation to repeal the Parental Notice Act, but also about other things that you might care about. Because one of those first steps to engaging is to know the folks that are your voice. And so make sure to learn who your state rep and senator are. Senator, before we get off today, I need to know a little bit more about your family. And I hear that similar to me, you're a cat person. So tell us a little bit about your family. And most of all, we'd like to hear about your cats. I, um, of course, I have a, as you know, Alexander, a very interesting story because I was adopted. I, I grew up with an older brother. His name is Bruce and he lives on the Northwest side with his wife and dogs. And, but later in life, um, after I passed a law to give adult adoptees a copy of their original birth certificate, which um, sort of helps, a, helps us identify the name of our biological mothers and maybe fathers and start putting the puzzle pieces of our life together. Um, that was a great bill, probably the bill I'm most personally, you know, that I have personal feelings about, but also um, because I, I, uh, it helped my sisters find me. I have uh, three sisters who grew up in Chicago, who all now live back on the East Coast, um, where their first families are. Um, and so I have a boatload of nieces and nephews, crazy fun. Um, their party affiliations are all over the board and they have mostly dogs, but I am a cat person and I have um, a cat who's a problem, but I, you know, I, I, I shared with you that um, she likes to knock things off the counter when she's um, trying to, you know, communicate. And, and just on Sunday, she dropped a, a closed large jar of gefilte fish on the floor. And every day she drops, you know, 
can cans of you know all kinds of food and break stuff and I'm always sweeping the floor um, and picking up glass. So, but I have three amazing cats and I, if anybody out there is a behaviorist, um, please contact me through Alexandra because I could really use a little help. I love it. Well, being a cat mom is always its own mixed bag. I um, personally recently moved my cat into my office. So I could spend more time with her and that's going really well for me. So big fan of cats over here as well. And I just real quick before we jump off today, Senator, I want to thank you for the legislation that you wrote to help adopted families and kiddos. Um, my own family got to experience the amazingness of your legislation with finding a family member that we didn't know. And it's been one of the warmest experiences that we've ever had. And for us, it is those little pieces of legislation that become big things in day-to-day -day people's lives. And so thank you for all that you do. It's been a delight to be with you, to talk uh, the repeal of PNA, to talk cats, all of it. You're fantastic. Thank you for everything that you do. Thanks, Al. Have me back again.